Hello, and welcome everyone. I am Evan McCann, and this is The Hard Part. This shows a deep dive into strategies, founding stories, and more behind Canada's top founders, investors, and leaders. My guest today is William Johnson. William is the founder of the Vancouver Tech Journal. The Vancouver Tech Journal uncovers and tells the stories that matter in Vancouver's tech ecosystem. They have a daily and twice weekly newsletter. In this episode, we discuss how William started Vancouver Tech Journal, their acquisition by Overstory Media Group, and what William thinks about monetizing media. Please enjoy my conversation with William Johnson. William, I'd really love to start with your your background. So you, maybe your upbringing, you spent some time at Carleton University, you had some really interesting work experience early on with Innovate BC, Betakit, and Daily Hive. It's, you know, a wide range of experience there, but what really led you to become a writer? So I think there's a, there's a lot there, Evan. And first of all, thanks for having me on. Really excited to be here. And I just love, um, I think we connected on Twitter, right? And I, I love that tool for the reason that people can connect like this just over interests. And, uh, and then we can be doing a podcast together. So just, again, big fan of yours. And, and thanks for having me on. Um, that question is an interesting one. Depends on how long you want me to go. But l- let's get into it. So yeah, I grew up in a little town of Winchester. And as long as I can remember, I've just been someone that's been um, connecting people or, or connecting ideas or connecting the dots. So what that means to me is either, you know, working with organizations and connecting them to their stakeholders. So like I worked in politics for a bit or uh, working with uh, students at Carleton University and connecting them to their interests or uh, working at, uh, you know, crown agencies and and connecting stakeholders um, to, you know, to government funding. And uh, I guess the connective tissue is just like connecting people on ideas or connecting people on stories. And the best way that I've been able to do that, I think, is through through writing. That's sort of been my the favorite tool in my toolkit, like if you will. And when I was in Vancouver, or sorry, sorry, when I was in Ottawa, from Ottawa, um, I remember, I'm trying to think, probably a decade ago was back when people were doing what, what were called tweet ups. I don't know um, if you remember early Twitter days. And so uh, I worked at Carlton, I graduated, again, I did communications work, I studied PR and various things. And I was always going to these networking events that were called tweet ups. And I'd meet people in the tech sector, and they were always the most interesting people. And I started just blogging about them. Like I'd write about them. Like you mentioned Brandon from Codex. He's one of the first people I wrote about for fun. And this is, I think, like over a decade ago. So we met in Ottawa and it's so just very small Canadian world. And just over the years, I've always just found ways, depending on what my jobs were, because my jobs were always focused around marketing and comms, like day job. Whenever I wasn't in my day jobs, I would always find ways to be writing about people that I thought were interesting and hopefully sort of amplifying their story and Maybe that would inspire someone else, or maybe that would create a connection for other people. And that's sort of where, again, it's a thing that I find fun. And obviously now it's really exciting that I get to do it as as my work. The, the way I really got interested in writing, though, specifically, was that I studied politics at Carleton University. And a lot of an arts degree is just writing essays. 
And uh, I, I learned like really early on at Carleton University that just that was like fun for me, right? You'd write these like 12 to 15 page essays and it was something that I could do really, really quickly. I could read a lot of books and write an essay really quickly. And I thought, oh, well, writing's interesting. What do you do with writing? And so I looked into journalism. Carleton has a really uh, noteworthy journalism program and department. It's probably the best in the country. Funny thing was, is that I called the, I guess it's called the registrar's office or like the student support office. And I said, oh, I'm a political science student. Like, hey, how do I get into the journalism program? And they basically laughed at me over the phone uh, because the journalism students to even get in the program had to have 90% averages. And then after the first year of journalism at Carleton University, they cut half of those people. And here I was, uh, a poli-sci art student with like average grades saying, let me into the journalism program. And, and they said that wasn't going to happen. And so I'm someone who very much believes that people can, I don't want to say anyone. No, I will say this. I think anyone can do anything, really. Like, I kind of believe that. And I, I've seen it. And I've sort of experienced it in some ways. And so back then, I was like, okay, I can't officially get into the journalism program. So I went and found the office of the student newspaper. It's called The Charlatan. And I just made friends with the journalism students that were writing the student newspaper. And uh, thanks to those guys, they let me contribute to the student newspaper. So I'd write these articles. And oh, so here's, here's the funny thing, actually. In political science, like writing essays, like the goal is almost to write as much as possible. And then when you're writing a news story, it's obviously like this needs to be short and clean and crisp and get to the point, right? The most important thing is like in the first two sentences, whereas I'd write these policy essays where I'd write like a two-page introduction. And so... Uh, I was really lucky that I got to learn how to write, again, these like long essays. And at the same time, I had journalism students being like, this is terrible. And um, you need to cut 90% of this to get to your story. So throughout my years as a student, I was uh, writing for the student newspaper and at the same time studying poli-sci. And so it was a really cool experience to just, again, work on writing, learn like how to write a new story. Um, and then, sorry, you fast forward to the tweet ups I was talking about. And then that's when I just started meeting people and I was networking and it seemed like all the most interesting people were entrepreneurs building tech companies. And like, I even remember the, the, the coffee shop where like the folks at Shopify, for example, were meeting up and having like their, their tech meetups. Right. And clearly I was at the wrong table. Um, cause I, I, I didn't end up working at Shopify, but I, again, I know exactly where that type of stuff was happening. And so fast forward even further. Uh, that brings me to, let's say, Vancouver in 2015. And like I said, uh, I was always working in marketing and commerce jobs, but at the same time, I was finding ways to write. And so when I moved here, and this, um, this is how, why, one of the reasons I love Twitter, I moved here, I tweeted at a guy named John Gray. He was the West Coast editor for Betakit. And a lot of people, uh, most people know Betakit, national tech news site. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm in town. I just moved to Vancouver because I moved here without a job. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm free. Do you need writers? Like, how does this work? And he was just like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I, I appreciate that you, t you tweeted at me. Let's get a coffee at a place called Lost and Found Cafe. It's on Hastings here in Vancouver. And we met up, got coffee. And he was like, yeah, I just, I liked your approach. And I see that, like, you're writing for fun. So clearly you're interested in this. So that's really cool. We'll start assigning you some stories. And another beta kit editor was a guy named Jonathan Narvi. And he runs a PR firm now called MindMount PR. And so he was the guy editing my work back then. This is 2015. And I got to know them really well. And that was just something else that sort of lended credibility to me saying that I was a writer. Um, and so it started with like some beta kid stories. And I was also like writing for Daily Hive, as you mentioned. 
Um, funny enough, back when I was at Carleton working, because I, I was a student there and then I worked there for five years later, I wrote an article on getting careers in the digital age and I submitted it to McLean's and they actually published it, which I thought was the most insane thing in the entire world. And they paid me uh, $50 for it, which is nothing, but it didn't really matter, right? Because forever I can say I've been published in McLean's now. So I kept getting these little writing wins that... Um, I eventually culminated in me being able to be like, okay, I'm a writer now. I didn't start out as a writer, but I can I can comfortably say that I'm a writer now. And this that that stuff like that basically just kept happening. And um I don't know if I answered the question there. I think you asked about writing background. And so I've gone through a lot of it. Anyway, that brings us all the way up to when? Twenty eighteen? And that's why I started the Vancouver Tech Journal. It's interesting there, like with the fascination of tech. So like you said, those were kind of where the most interesting stories were happening. And you were experiencing that in Ottawa. Then you kind of moved to Vancouver in 2015. Vancouver is pretty hot with tech now, maybe a little bit less so then. What was the the fascination with technology specifically? Was that something that you were always just interested in? Were you interested from like a consumer standpoint, hey, like I could use this as a consumer. What really got you fired up about technology? There's two things. Uh, one is just people in general. So I just love stories of really interesting people. And um, like I said, like one of the most interesting thing about the, the people that I was seeing speak at events, including Brandon from Codex, who at the time was building a startup called Tattoo Hero, which I still feel like should be a company now, right? So I, I wrote about him uh, and Tattoo Hero, and he was speaking at an event called Fuck Up Nights in Ottawa, uh, and it was hosted by Invest Ottawa, which which is an, which is an organization that still exists. Anyway, it was really incredibly interesting people like that that I just kept coming across. Um, and the other thing about technology that really interests me, and it's not necessarily like I'm a technical person at all, and I'm interested in consumer tech or gadgets, um, but it did feel like that technology as it evolved it became more accessible for people to start companies using software and, and and services right so in the same way that you and i um like i can start a newsletter and you can start a podcast and there's tools available for you to build this it felt like i'd say back then and again this is what year is this may 2013 2014 it it kind of felt like tech was on the cusp of that which is that um Entrepreneurship was maybe becoming more uh, commonplace. The tools were more readily available for more people to start building things. And I found that really exciting and interesting. Yeah, Brandon and I had a great conversation about Tattoo Hero when we did a recording. This is a super interesting company. Um, so, so you're interested in the stories behind the people that start these tech companies. And ultimately, you're doing some writing here or there. I guess what what I'm curious about is, you know, so you didn't, you weren't able to crack into the actual journalism program, but you're actually able to become a writer, journalist, whatever you would like to identify as today. I guess, what are some of the, the, the traits there? You know, I guess maybe a lot of people get hung up on the the quality of the writing and like what words people are using, but is there more to it? Like to me, it sounds like you're hustling, you know how to get in front of people, you know how to you know, uncover the interesting stories, find the interesting people. Is it a balance of those two things? Is one more important than the other? I guess, like, where do maybe some journalism students or people get that wrong? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so for me, I think the most important thing uh, is, first, it's like, 
you know, allegiance to or dedication to like finding the truth. And, you know, obviously, like the truth is really important and often quite exciting, right? No matter what, if you're talking about a company or, or a person or their background or their history. Um, but even more important, is just like an insane curiosity, right? And I think that's what I think a lot of people miss. I'm just I'm super curious about everyone. Like, I honestly wish that I was doing this interview and, and learning learning more about you right now, right? Like, like anytime I get interviewed, I have to hold myself back from from asking questions back to the host. And and the other point that you emphasized was just hustle, like finding the story, finding out who you need to speak to, um, to get information, to craft, you know, the full picture of whatever it is, whatever information you're trying to share with your audience and make it compelling and, and make it interesting. And so I work, and the other key thing is like, I'm really fortunate that I work with like incredibly smart people now and I've hired uh, like properly trained journalists and editors. And so I can still be me, which is just be insanely curious and hostile and write stories. And I'm lucky that I've hired someone who is, again, proper journalist is like a diss to myself, but I, like we'll just say traditionally tra trained journalists, right? They can say like, well, like remove this word or like, you know, like that sentence doesn't sound objective, right? Or like, I'm, I need to fact check all the stuff that you've said here and you've talked to this person and we're really lucky here at the Vancouver Tech Journal and Overstory Media. Like we've got some incredibly talented journalists that have won awards and um, have just done like insanely, insanely good work. And, you know, um, so we're, we're really lucky there. And again, like when a lot of, when a lot of what I'd say startup founders build companies, um, you do like everything at the beginning. And that was me, right? Like I was writing stories. I was like sending the newsletter. Like I was like finding partners like early on. Uh, I was like organizing events. And then I've been really fortunate that I've been able to hire a managing editor that is the best person for that job, right? And it's like, okay, like I don't need to worry about editorial anymore. I can just like focus on the stuff that I'm really good at and where I can add the most value and someone else is going to take care of that, right? And I think that's what happens with organizations as they grow. So I've been really lucky um but yeah i've been able to focus what i'm good at which is just being curious and hustling and i've been able to bring in people with like other talents that are, are incredibly smart and not just with the vancouver tech journal and writing but my last full-time job in-house was at innovate bc which is a provincial crown agency um and i was the director of marketing and communications there and actually this is actually relevant because it's why i started the vancouver tech journal so I was there, I started as a communication specialist and I was like writing newsletters and stuff, funny enough, right? And blog posts. And then the director of marketing comms there left. And then like the next week, the CEO left and they hadn't replaced the director of Marcoms. And so it was kind of like, just, well, Will, like you need to figure this out. And the other really funny thing is my co-op student at the time was James Matthews who is a staff writer at the Vancouver Tech Journal now. So there's a lot of links there. Anyway, I was this like communication specialist that suddenly had to run a, a, a comms department for a crown agency. So I didn't totally fuck that up. So then I was promoted to a comms manager uh, for a year. And then I left to go work at the downtown Vancouver BIA. And then I was recruited back seven months later to be the director of marketing comms, like officially. So that obviously was really exciting. But then when I got to that role, what ended up happening, and this ties back to hiring people that specialize, is that I ended up hiring someone who was actually really good at media relations, this guy named Jamil Kareem. He's the director of comms now at the Canadian Food Innovation Network. He's awesome. 
and I hired this woman, uh, Michelle Zazlak, uh, as like the brand designer. She could actually do that really well. So she was fantastic. I hired another um, girl, Stacey Armstrong, as the digital marketing manager. Incredibly smart and talented. But then I slowly like hired all these people and then I didn't have anything interesting to do anymore. <laughs> so uh, I was just like putting out fires and like signing expense reports. And um, through my work, again, I was still really connected to the tech sector and I knew all the stuff going on. And eventually I was like, well, you know, what can I do that allows me to do what I'm really interested in, which was just like writing, like I had been doing all along, right? Like finding opportunities to write. And so uh, that's how I ended up saying like, well, I'm going to start this newsletter. Like, I don't really think anyone's, you know, putting together a digest of what's happening in the tech sector. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to send it to five people and, and see what they think. And we'll see where it goes from there. So, I mean, you didn't ask this, but that's actually how the Bank of Protection was started. Year was that, and I guess, you know, like why the, the, the focus specifically on Vancouver? Is that just the ecosystem you knew the best, the one you were most comfortable with, or did you kind of have some sort of vision of, you know, hey, there's beta kit out there, which is more national, but we actually need something that's even more regional focused. Were you even thinking about it that intricately at the beginning, or was it just something that was there right in front of you? Um, I thought about that a little bit, but to your earlier point, or your first point, it was the ecosystem I knew the best. I was constantly talking to entrepreneurs. At NMAPC, we would fund startups and various programs and stuff, and I would talk to them all the time. And obviously at Innovate BC, the, the focus of marketing and communications there is, you know, handing out funding and then convincing everyone that the funding was effective, right? So the stories we were telling were essentially like, oh, we gave this company money and then they created X amount of jobs and now our funding should grow up, right? Like that's what a lot of like government agencies and incubators and accelerators unfortunately focus all their attention on, which is just like proving like what we're doing is important. So keep giving us money. And it was absolutely like that, right? And I knew there was like more interesting things happening than we gave out this $1,000 hiring grant, right? There was way more than that happening. And again, I was just someone who was like going to events all the time. And I think that uh, it was important back then. And it's even more important now with the tech journal, which is that we can write a newsletter on Sunday with like 50 stories because we have talked to everyone all week, every week. You know what I mean? Like we're on the ground. Like this, And uh, so again, yeah, that was important then and it's important now. And yeah, again, like I had written for Betakit and so it's obviously a valuable national resource. But again, all due respect to the Betakit team. I wrote for Betakit, so I'm not, I can't say anything bad about them. Um, all these national publications don't do a good job of covering like grassroots stuff like there's so much that's overlooked like half of beta kit is funding rounds which is obviously a huge milestone for companies but there's so much more that happens before and and after funding rounds right and again if you look if anyone looks at the tech journal like we've got one in vancouver we've one in uh victoria and there, there's more to come in other cities like if you if you look at like the type of work we do we're highlighting so much more than than funding rounds what was really important to unearth those stories? Was it just kind of connections in the industry? I know you do a popular like coffee chat in, in Gastown, I believe. Like, was it these things that were just kind of building almost a community? Like, yes, you have the writing piece and you're putting out these fantastic stories. But is it also like you're almost kind of creating a community around yourself, around Vancouver Tech Journal, that like these stories come to you first, either through someone, you're just on a texting relationship with someone. It's just kind of informal What's, the, what's that kind of ecosystem like? It's a really good point you bring up. And often when I talk about the tech journals, I say 
like people look at Overstory and it's like Overstory Media Group. You're a media company, you produce news. And that is true. Um, Kate Wilson, our managing editor, when she was just, she was just on a podcast when she was uh, at Collision in Toronto. And one of the interesting things she said was, um, she's been around since May this year. And she said, you know, the biggest thing I've learned since working here is that we're not really like, like a news resource. Like that's not like the, the value proposition that we have. Really, we're a community. Like we're a community resource. And that's how people think of us. And so when I talk about the tech journal, I say, you know, the tech journal is really a community. And the way that we bring that community together is through the newsletter. It's through in-depth stories, right? It's through our weekly coffee meetup. It's through our monthly drink social. It's through our weekly or our monthly BTJ talk series where we talk to executives and we've got, you know, early stage people in the audience and they're getting value that way. So I think the biggest value that we, we create, and this goes back to like what I've said, I've done for, I think a lot of my life, which is just bringing people together. And there are, there are different platforms or tools or user experiences that we do that through, right? The newsletter is one thing, but um, as you mentioned, the in-person stuff is just important, right? So just this, like every Tuesday, we hold an open coffee meetup. It sounds so simple, but every week I meet at least 10 people who are new to the ecosystem who say, well, like I didn't really know like where to go and who to talk to. Like there's a million tech support organizations. Like do they do all the same thing? Like it's very, like everything online is very confusing and people really appreciate just being able to walk up to me and say like, hey, like this is what I'm working on. Like, is there anyone I should talk to? Like, can you help me with an introduction? And so just back to your point, community is sort of the the central part of what we do. And we do that in different ways. So what's the timing there with like starting mm -hmm. Vancouver Tech Journal? Do you just jump into it full time? You're doing this kind of weekly roundup on the weekends and sending that out. What was the infliction point there? I guess there's a few questions there. What's the infliction point of when you went at it full time? And why did you choose like a newsletter as the medium to push that forward? Is that just something you're more comfortable with? Uh, and like, w were you were you on Substack from the beginning? Were you doing it on like just you're BCCing a bunch of people on an email list? What was that like early days? Well, again, there's a few different stories here, and I'm gonna think about how I can tell them and not go on too long. Um, how long? I don't know how long we've been talking. I won't worry about that. Okay, so it's funny. So uh, let's go back to 2018. And there's a few different characters in this story, so it's interesting. 2018, I'm working at Innovate PC, and that's when the tech journal was started as like my for fun thing. So I'm writing it every two weeks. It's like an email that has the first five people, 10 people, 50 people, 100 people. And I was initially writing it on tinyletter.com, which is a, a part of MailChimp, actually. It's like a little MailChimp account, basically. And one of the ways I actually initially got subscribers, well, first of all, it was just sent to my friends. I just added them. I said, I'm doing this newsletter. You have to just be on it, right? And then the other thing was that I created this thing that still exists to this day online called the Vancouver Innovation Ecosystem Guide. Like if you Google that, my spreadsheet will come up. And it's got a list of 50 organizations. And then it's got sort of different columns where it's like funding, support, um, community, regular events, annual events and like little X's to show you like, here are the different organizations you should talk to if this is what you're interested in. And I used that initially, well, not initially, but this is maybe three months in as like way to get subscribers. So in order to get that, you had to subscribe, right? And so that drove, I think, 
like maybe like 300 subscribers in one day. And for me, I was like, oh, wow, this is so crazy. But it was um, just an early, early example of the power of just like providing value um, and then and then and then driving um, subscribers in, in that way. And so we're, so we're still in 2018. Let's let's just fast forward. It's slowly organically growing. And I was like, you know, what? I'm doing this newsletter. I've got maybe, you know, 700 subscribers. It's just me. Not sure what I'm going to do with this. And I thought, well, you know, I, there's this new thing out there called um, Substack. And so I'm like, you know, I'll look into the Substack thing. And the, the key thing about Substack for anyone listening, right, is that they made it really, really simple for any writer to set up an account and send a newsletter and then almost turnkey, you can turn on subscriptions, right? So it's kind of like a subscri- subscription stack. I think that's where the name must come from, right? I'm like, well, that'd be interesting. Like, could, could I monetize this newsletter at all? Like, who who knows? And so I turn that on and I email my list saying, hey, I'm going to try this new thing where not only will you get the Sunday newsletter, but I'm going to do two during the week. And if you want, you can pay to get these two extra ones where you'll get extra information. And the person I really took inspiration from to do this was a guy named Ben Thompson. He writes Stratechery. It's like very well known. He's probably one of the best writers in business, like on, on the planet. Like I'm sure there's less than 10 people that can produce the type of work that he does, but that's where I took inspiration from. And so it's funny. I wrote an article about the multinational tech companies operating in Vancouver that everyone always overlooks, right? Like people always talk about Microsoft and Amazon. And I said, you know, like, like Motorola's here, like Disney's here. There's, there's all these other like huge ones actually, but everyone uses Microsoft and Amazon because they have the big offices downtown. And I, that was the first sort of paywalled article, you know what I mean? That like the extra subscribers could get for the people that were like testing the new thing. And the funny thing was, is that Farhan Mohammed who is the CEO now of Overstory Media Group. Uh, he was previously the editor-in-chief of Daily Hive. He was on my newsletter, and, and he reached out to me. And it's funny, I still have the emails. It's so funny. And he's like, hey, dude, forget your paywall experiment. Just let us publish these articles on Daily Hive. Like, we get, like, millions of views. Like, your name can be on it. Like, like I know you're trying to do something here, but like, just like come publish with Daily Hive, and you'll have a massive audience immediately, and and we'll pay you obviously, right? So the money that you're going to make with your little paywall experiment, like we'll just pay you to be a writer for Daily Hive under our venture vertical, right, under our business section. And I thought, oh, that sounds really exciting. Like, why not? Like, I was just seeing how this would work, but you know, why not just write these articles for a larger audience and get some money for it? So I ended up doing that. And so, again, you can find all those articles online to this day. And so that was, yeah, 2018. And obviously, yeah, that contributed like to growth. And again, that was really interesting, right? Because I could have said, no, I'm just going to publish them on my newsletter. Um, but it was a smart decision to say, well, there's this much bigger platform out there. Um, it, like, why, why not like get my name and my brand and the Vancouver Tech Journal brand uh, on this larger platform in front of way more people? So for me, I was like, I, I think this makes sense. So I started publishing in Daily Hive while I was still writing the Vancouver Tech Journal. But obviously in my Daily Hive like byline, it's like William Johnson writes the Vancouver Tech Journal, right? So I'm, I'm getting like exposure and driving subscriptions that way. Fast forward to 2020, and I still work at Innovate BC. And I'm currently planning this big conference called the BC Tech Summit. Happened every year in BC. This is the fifth one. It's like 3,000 people. It involves everyone in the tech ecosystem. 
Um, and obviously, um, it's early 2020. And I remember I was, I had a, a plane to San Francisco in that February. And this is right about the time that everyone's like, oh, like this COVID thing seems to be a real thing. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to go on the San Francisco trip. <laughs> I remember this is so funny. And, and uh, I remember, yeah, I remember emailing with people and they were like, yeah, this workshop's canceled. And I was like, no, no. I'm like, we should still book reservations in San Fran. Like, let's like, like, I, like, let's make sure we have dinner for, but this night and this night. And then like, basically everything, everything was canceled, right? Within like three weeks, including the big BC Tech Summit. And then fast forward a few months to mid 2020. This is August. Yeah, mid August. Um, again, this is probably too much detail, but this is how things work. It's really everything's like random and messy, right? Like all, you know, you know. And so there is a local company called C-Suite and they do uh executive thought leadership and ghostwriting. And they were looking for a senior editorial strategist. So someone to, you know, have a conversation with a CEO get all their ideas and then write a thought leadership piece that gets published in Forbes or Entrepreneur or Global Mail or Newsweek, et cetera, et cetera. And so I reached out to one of the partners there and said, hey, I saw this role, like, like, let's talk about it. And she was like, oh, hey, well, like, great. Like we had spoken at a conference together. Um, and then like within like, I think within a week, they were like, you should come on full time with us, like leave your job. Uh, and I thought, oh, like, that's really exciting. Like, that happened really, 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 really quickly. And so I actually did that. And so this is, this is what's a bit more interesting. So in order to take the role with that company, they don't have full-time staff. They only had contractors or they only did business with other businesses. So I quit Innovate BC in 2020. I'm still writing the tech journal, right? This is how they knew me and knew that I was like a writer and stuff. Um, and so I had like a brand because of that, right? So that's why why it's important to note. Uh, I had to register a small business to go work with them and their clients. And so that, again, was just like a learning experience. Like, okay, like, how do you register an actual sole proprietorship? And like, I'm going to be making this much money. Okay, I need a GST number and like all, all that like headache, right? Anyway, again, I'm, I'm saying way too much detail. But anyway, I'll keep going. <laughs> so uh, I worked with them for, I think, four months. And I also, so sorry, no, I'm skipping ahead. Now that I had a small business, I was like, okay, now I can do business with anyone, like officially. Because uh, other people had been approaching me about like doing work. And I was like, mm, like, like consulting and stuff. They knew me from the tech journal. And so then I finally like had a small business registered. So I did some work with C-Suite uh, doing like thought leadership for executives. Uh, I did some public relations work for Pender Ventures. Uh, they have a big fund. They're based out of here. They've, they're hiring people across the country. Um, and I did work with a number of other organizations and, and PR firms since I had like the business registered. All that is happening. And then Farhan Mohammed, who has since left Daily Hive, is now the CEO of Overstory Media Group. And during all of that stuff happening with me, Farhan and Andrew Wilkinson, the co-founder of Tiny, they had been discussing starting this thing. And then eventually... Once Overstory is sort of established in the background, Farhan approaches me and says, hey, what are you working on? And I was talking about my businesses and my, my consulting. He said, forget that. Um, we love what you're doing with the Vancouver Tech Journal. Uh, we want to turn it into a proper business. So we want to acquire its assets and acquire you, essentially. So we want to buy it from you. And then also we want to install you as like the brand lead for it or the editor of it, full salaried. And then we're also going to give you resources uh, to grow it and turn it into a proper business. And so that's late 2020. 
So again, long way of explaining how that happened, but uh, so that's what ended up happening. So I started working at Overstory as the lead for the Vancouver Technical in January, 2021. And so at the time, Overstory is maybe 20 people. And now we're, I think we're almost 70 now with 13 different media brands underneath the parent company. Uh, so uh, as just like, as like a startup, like we've seen a lot of growth. Like I don't know everyone at the company now, which is crazy to think because I remember when it was like a dozen of us. What were some emotions there with like, you know, you're building Vancouver Tech Journal, you're having a lot of fun with it, it's a side project, and then suddenly all of these things come together, you're getting aqua hired, it's now a full-time thing, you're doing exactly what you wanted to do. Can you describe a bit of those feelings and kind of what that acquisition process was like? Yeah, honestly, it was it was wild because at the same time, like... It was like the week before or the week after Farhan had approached me and said, like, hey, you need to join the Overstory family. I proposed to my fiance in, in Whistler and like that was happening. And then, then I got this this offer and I was like, what? What is going on? And like, like I had had the NABC job. I'd worked with C-Suite. I'd worked with Fender Ventures. I'd worked with two other PR firms. This is all in like four months. And it was it was all really exciting. And I often like, felt a bit guilty. I was like, COVID is like, I have no issues with COVID. COVID is great. Like it was like, it was 2020 was such an exciting year, especially that fall. Um, so like, I was obviously thrilled and it was really exciting just to see like, yeah, it's like you get that validation. And it wasn't even something that I was like, I wasn't out there like shopping it around or anything like that. Right. I was just approached based off past relationships and obviously based on just past personal brand and people's understanding of, of what I was working on. So that was incredibly exciting. And so what initially happened was Farhan calls me up. He texts me. He's like, hey, like, can we talk about business? I'm like, okay, sure. You know, cryptic text. And then, or cryptic text. And then we jump on a Zoom call and he tells me what he wants to do. And I was like, okay, let's talk in five days. Like, I like <laughs> he's like, let's do this. Like, just throwing out, like, like numbers and offers. I was like, hold on a second. Like, let me let me go like have a few days to like process it all and like come down from the high and then think about it like rationally and everything like that. Uh, and then I think we talked like a week later and then not sure if you know how Tiny works. Again, Tiny didn't acquire Bank of Protection, but Overstory is very similar to Tiny in that like we meet someone, we think they're doing something cool. It's like, oh, like you want to work with us? Like we'll turn around like paperwork in like 24 hours. Like it's very fast. And so it was very much like that where it was like, here, here's what we're thinking. Here's like the job, like, this is the job offer we want to give you. Like, like how quickly can we get this signed? And so it was, it was honestly like from the first conversation, it was probably like, I don't know, like honestly a week and a half or two weeks when it was like deal signed. I told everyone I was working with like, oh, by the way, like it was great working with you, but like as, as the end of December, like that's no more. Like I'll be working on this other thing full time. And the other interesting thing was that like everyone that like all my like consulting clients, they were all super pumped. Um, cause they knew it was something that I love to work on and, um, they, they knew me from this sort of side project hustle. So everyone that I worked with was, it was super thrilled with like, again, the opportunity I was getting. With Overstory Media Group, could you dive a bit more into detail about what that's all about? So Farhan came over from Daily Hive. Um, they saw Vancouver Tech Journal as part of this, this kind of play or, or a thing they wanted to build out from a media organization. Can you just talk a little bit about kind of maybe some of the strategy there? Because, you know, you have Beta Kit, National, Globe and Mail, very diverse. But it seems to overstore a media group from what I've seen. 
is looking to acquire smaller regional players and have a kind of a, a presence that way. Can you share a little bit of what that kind of overall strategy is? Definitely. So Overstory starts with Andrew Wilkinson, who most people know, right? Co-founder of Tiny. He lives in Victoria. And he, a few years ago, he's increasingly uh, dissatisfied with uh, another local paper. You know what? I, as he's already said it out loud, so I guess I can. The Times Colonist. <laughs> and he has a whole Twitter thread on on how he was dissatisfied with the Times Colonist. And he says, you know, like, I could buy it or... <laughs> I could hire some really talented journalists and, you know, recreate community news media in the way that I think it should be done. And you know what? I didn't answer a question that you asked before, which was why newsletter? Um, newsletter, I think, is currently the best channel to reach your audience. Um, and well, the reason I think it, everyone has different views, but the reason I think it is, is because it's not subject to algorithms. Um, it's one of the most direct ways to get in people's inbox and have an ongoing relationship with them. And people I like people love newsletters like as much as like everyone's complains about their emails and how many emails they get um like everyone has email that's not going to change anytime soon there are email apps to help people solve their email problems but at the end of the day everyone is still using email right so emails are very important so Andrew Wilkinson hires a bunch of journalists they start this thing called Capital Daily and it turns out their approach to sharing local news really resonated with people in Victoria. Capital Daily starts with a few reporters. I think now it's that division is, I think, 11 people and over 55,000 daily subscribers to the Capital Daily newsletter. So it's pretty incredible. Um, like it's one in five people, I think, in Victoria. So everyone knows Capital Daily. It's an integral part of the community now. It's only been around, I think, like three years. So Andrew and a team did that. And this is actually... Uh, some of that started before Farhan came into the picture because Farhan was still Daily Hive. But once Farhan leaves Daily Hive, he gets some time to himself and his family. Him and Andrew Wilkins end up talking. And then let's fast forward to all their conversations. Anyway, they team up to actually take what was done in Capital Daily, which was filling a critical gap in the local, local news coverage. And they say, what if we could do that in communities across the country? And so Overstory today is... Uh, Pretty much, it's like a national network dedicated to building community through thoughtful storytelling and news. And community, you know, manifests itself differently in different places, right? So there's Capital Daily in Victoria. There's, you know, the Calgary Citizen in Calgary. You know, it's a 20,000 plus daily newsletter as well. There is Tasting Victoria, which is uh, food-related content in Victoria. There is... The Vancouver Tech Journal, which is sort of two niches, Vancouver plus tech, right? There is Oak Bay Local, which is, you know, a little community um, outside of Victoria, right? So it's like extremely local and niche. And we often say we want to be so local and niche that like people think it's weird. And so the approach with um, all of these newsletters or yeah, all these newsletters is that like we want to build up uh, a thriving newsletter community, right? And then work with partners that are interested in working with us for, you know, six months or 12 months. Um, and so it's sort of like, I guess our, like, in, I don't know, in startup terms, you'd say our flywheel is like, we work to grow the community. We bring on partners. Those partners invest in us. Uh, and then we invest to grow the community more. Our community becomes more valuable as an audience to engage with. We attract more partners. You know, they invest in us. We invest in growing the community even more, right? So it's not like... 
Capital Daily getting 55,000 subscribers was just like organic. No, like we have, we have like, we have a significant number of partners and then that allows us to invest in growing our audiences. And so we do that with all of the brands. Um, so Overstory is the, yeah, the umbrella organization for I think 13 brands right now, uh, which is pretty exciting because I think we were only announced as an organization like this time last year, right? Maybe like a year and a half ago. So a lot has happened since then. For the Vancouver Tech Journal. with So I, I saw Overstory recently purchased Georgia Strait, which is an established news company in the Vancouver area. So when you're looking at growth or, you know, you're looking to start new things, whether that's, you know, a new Vancouver Tech Journal in another city or whatever that may be, what are you also looking for? Are you looking for like an established player that maybe once was a shining star, maybe has lost a bit of its luster and you're looking to bring that back? Uh, and is like strategically within your portfolio. Is that kind of how you're looking at growth there? Mm -hmm. So we're very much taking advantage of the fact that, you know, you can run a news organization or a community of people um, digitally, right? Uh, so, you know, an old newsroom, like you were printing, you had like buildings, right? You, you had rent to pay and all these other things, right? And Overstory is very much, you know, built for the digital age. And so a great example of what you just said, which is like taking like, an older organization and sort of revitalizing for revitalizing them for the future is the Georgia Strait. Remember, for fifty years, uh, we just acquired it, and I, mean, I can't wait to see what we do with that brand because it's again, it's a beloved brand um, that was acquired by a, a, a Toronto organization and that basically bankrupted. Um, another organization or company we purchased earlier this year. I get all my years messed up. Like, is it last year? Is it this year? Right? Like, COVID messes everything up is the coast and it's a halifax brand it's been around for 30 years or since 93 so just about 30 years and COVID hit them really hard and they were trying to figure out like how do we transition from like this paper we would produce this big office we have uh, what is like the next you know 30 years of the coast really look like and so i was funny i was just out in halifax hanging out with that team and like the appeal for them to join our story was really much Okay, we want to work with a partner that can help us um, transition and become, a, you know, like a digital first, first, you know, version of ourselves, right? Like, what is what is like the what is the next ten years of the coast look like? And can we work with partners who have done this before? And obviously, again, Overstory has like a few few really flagship brands that have been successful with growing communities online and and attracting partners. And so the coast used to print the paper, you know, they don't print a paper. Now they are focused on their digital audience and they're focused on growing their newsletter subscribers and they're focused on getting, you know, long-term partners. And again, there's a, there's an approach that Overstory has with most of the brands, which is we are laser focused on growing the newsletter audience because we think that's the most valuable audience we can have. And then we ask ourselves the question, okay, now that you have this audience, what can you do with it? Right. And so that's what we think about with all the brands. And I'll give you a few examples of that. Um, but I also wanted to mention something that you you had just said, which was, um, yeah, like, what are we looking at in terms of like growth? Right. Like, to be honest, like we, we want to be like across the country. We're national. I mean, we already are national. Um, whenever Overstory was launched, we said we want to have 50 brands. Right. I think by 2025. And so we've got like a lot of work to do. Right. So like we're not we're not we're not close. Um but that's really exciting. And we want to have like 250 journalists. So we have a lot of work to do. And so for us, it means 
like if you go to our website, it says you know we we create brands, we acquire brands, and we 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 grow community news brands, right? So we're looking at all three of those approaches, and so we're buying companies outright with the tech journal. We have a local model that we're like, oh well, that's really successful. Um, what we're doing here, can we create tech journals in other communities? So we're We've established sort of a, a tech vertical and we've said, okay, like, can we do this in other places where we think, or other markets that we think are underserved? So that's really important for us. And then something I wanted to mention just about like, like how, how do we do business? Like, how do you, what is it like, where do we get revenue from? Right? Like we haven't really talked about that. I think that's probably important for people. Right. Um, and there's sort of three buckets, right? There's newsletter sponsorship, you know, so people can sponsor the newsletter, right? So you get your brand mentioned, you get a little write-up story, and it's marked sponsored, but people pay a lot of money for that because the Vancouver Tech Journal newsletter is, has over 20,000 subscribers, right? And the open rate like hasn't changed from you know 1,000 subscribers to 20,000. It's still uh, mid to high 40s, so quite significant, right? So there's newsletter sponsorship. Um, there are event sponsorships, right? So we hold events every month. You know, People pay for tickets to events. We also have event sponsors and we're lucky that once we've built an audience large enough we can it's not hard to get 80 people from the 20,000 person list to come to an event so we can launch an event and we know that we're going to get people there and obviously people pay for tickets and we can sell it to our sponsors pretty easily um we also have a job board again we have an audience so it's like okay well what do we do with our audience well we have this big audience like let's help them you know let's connect the dots when it comes to like careers and hiring right uh, what's the other thing? We have this 20,000 person audience. And this goes back to why it's funny. This goes back to me and Farhan's initial connection, which was like, okay, we have this big audience for our Sunday briefing and our Wednesday events briefing. Are there people willing to pay to get something every day? Right. And that's a key point because all the other newsletters at Overstory have free daily newsletters. But our daily newsletter is one that business people have to pay to receive. Right. So we treat our subscribers differently from like the capital daily subscribers. And so we recently quietly launched a paid daily. Uh, so we haven't even made an announcement. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but um, tomorrow afternoon is when we're announcing, like we're actually announcing that we have this paid daily. A lot of people, some people have discovered it and found it. And there's people already paying for it now, uh, $100 a year, or $14 a month. But we haven't actually announced it. So it's exciting that like we haven't announced it. And there's already over 50 people who are paying for it. And just for context, like BetaKit, which is national, has a Patreon where people can pay them 25 bucks a month to support their work. They have, I think the last time I checked, 104 patrons. And so the Vancouver Tech Journal has half of that, having not even discussed it with anyone. Uh, so that's really exciting for us because um, I think that we can, we can triple that like, and 10x that because uh, there's like a really passionate community here and a lot of people that want that information every single day. Yeah, I think that's an interesting segue with like content there and like monetizing that content. And, you know, you had the kind of weekly roundup and then you're like, hey, like if we do something daily, would people pay for this? I guess like what are some of your thought processes around monetizing content? Because I feel like it's an even more difficult or challenging thing than, you know, some other founders I have on that have a product. And obviously the product has a price, but when it's content, Maybe people are so used to Instagram and social of, of getting free content. How do you find out, like, where's the line that you're like, okay, I should monetize this? Like, this is, is it like hours you're putting in? Is it like 
how important you deem this content. Like I, I'd love to figure out like, where's your barometer of like, I should actually charge for this. Yeah, it's a really good question. And so there's a few different factors that, that go into like actually having, we call it our membership program, right? And there's two points. One point is that when we talk about, like when I talk about the membership now, and when we'll talk about it later this week, the content will only be part of it. Like what you're really paying, you're paying for like, a deeper connection to like the Vancouver tech journal community, right? Like people want to be able to like interact with people who are as interested in the same topics as them. So yeah, you're paying for like the morning report and um, you're paying for maybe this like in-depth article I'm going to be doing on like the fastest growing companies in BC, but really it's because you want to be able to, you want the invitation to like our members only event. We're going to be talking to other founders, for example. Right. And so the, like these in-person experiences are in a way almost treated like content by us, right? Like that is considered part of the whole Vancouver Technical Content Experience, like an in-person talk, for example. Like last month, we had um, Trip Mickle, who's a New York Times reporter that covers Apple. We'd have had, we had him speak in town. And at the beginning, you could only buy tickets if you were uh, uh, like one of these like secret members. When we talk about the membership program. It's not just about like the emails that people pay for. It's all about like the experiences that people pay for. And I think that's where people find a lot of value. The other thing is, just on this note, is that as we've been developing what this membership program is, I have asked, if, I've, like I've talked to people, like as any startup person should do, like talk to your customers. And so I've reached out to all the investors who subscribe to our newsletter and I've said, you know, I think we're going to do this daily thing. Like, do you want to test it and will you pay for it? And a big thing with like setting prices and like finding out value is like, it's like not what we think it's it's what they think and they're all like well like i i need this content <laughs> like like in order to for them to do their job to like i need this thing so you know you know 15 dollars a month or 50 dollars a month you know i have a 100 million dollar fund like you know what i mean we need this information so we're going to pay for the information in fact the, we probably undercharge based off of like the value that this provides to some of our customers and we'll see how that evolves right um, over the next year, but um, our first paying subscriber uh, was Boris Wurtz from Version One Ventures, and for him it was just like a no-brainer. Like he's like, I open every single email, and like, he didn't have to think about like, you know, he just he he just raised like last year a hundred and thirty million dollar Canadian fund, right? Like, what is a hundred dollars paying us like to him, right? Like. For sure, we're undercharging, right? For for the value that we probably provide to him and, and his team. I love that view on you know the value is only important as who like who's paying for it, right? It's not oh I need to I can only charge a hundred dollars. It's like no, like if this information like critically makes someone be better at their job and their job is high paying or high stakes, then we should be charging accordingly to that. I'd love to jump into the quick fire round if that works for you. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Sweet. Uh, first question, what is the best book you have read or one that you have on your shelf? And if you're not a book reader, uh, video game, whatever it may be. The best book I've read, um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Um, it's not like a business book or anything. It's just a book that's like, in, incredible for like the imagination you must have to write something like that. And there's very few books that like evoke like emotion in me. And I like chuckle reading through that because I think it's just so insane. Um, and I think that 
it's sort of like like it's it's like basically a fiction book. Fiction books are just really important uh, for just like expanding your mind. So I, I'd say that's like high high on the list. Um, and I'll add one more, uh, which is like I think most people know this book, Essentialism by George McCune. Just an incredible book about like focus and like getting stuff done like that needs to be done and, and blocking everything else out. Less but better is like a, a recurring theme throughout it. I'll have to check those out. Uh, second question: What are you most excited about this year? Like, is it Vancouver Tech Journal? You got engaged last year, so what? What are you? What are you most excited about? I am most excited about um, working with people like me in other cities. And seeing if we can make similar style tech journals successful in other regions in Canada. That's what I'm really excited for. The tech journal here is on solid footing. Victoria is growing. And we're looking at four other regions where we hope to be launched by the end of the year. And again, depending on when this podcast goes out, um, you'll be able to search Calgary Tech Journal uh, within like 48 hours. And you'll be able to start subscribing for a similar style roundup to the Vancouver Tech Journal, which will be like, here are the Calgary Tech stories you need to know uh, this week. So among many things, I'm really excited about rolling out um, similar style uh, newsletters to other ecosystems across the country. I'll be the first subscriber for the Calgary Tech Journal. I'm excited for that one. Uh, how do you deal with with hard times? Like we, we talked a lot about there about you know, this quite this journey to getting to Vancouver Tech Journal underneath Overstory Media Group. But how do you deal with hard times? Are you are someone that goes outside? Is it, you know, talking with friends? What? How do you keep balanced? I mean, there's two things here. There's like a, a mindset and then I have specific activities, right? So the mindset for me is always, and I'm lucky that like, I don't know, I, I've practiced this and it's worked, which is just that like I'm laser focused on things that are in my control. That's the first thing. The other The other thing is that like, there are specific things that I call like my my never regrets, right? Which is like walking, running, reading, writing, um, having a tough conversation and getting it over with and having an easy conversation with like someone I love. And I call those like my, my never regrets list. And it's funny, someone just sent me an article in the New York Times. And it's so weird that the article was similar to what I had just blogged about. But they refer to these things as well negotiables. And I thought that was uh, just like a really interesting way to put it. But I call them my never regrets. And funny enough, like if you go to my Twitter, there. there's a blog post on them that you can read. I guess, like, what would you do to deal with hard times? So, like, you, do you have activities you do? Is it sort of a mindset? Like, what do you do to deal with those hard times? Yeah, like, whenever I'm, yeah, dealing with anything super challenging, um, I have a set of activities that like I kind of go to and they revolve around like walking or exercise or reading a book or, or blogging about something or um, getting a tough conversation with someone out of the way or like, you know, talking to my partner or like calling a friend or, or calling my mother and like taken together. I always refer to those as my, my never regrets list. And it's funny. I just read um, an article in the New York times where people refer to those things as wellness, non-negotiables. And it's sort of the things that like you have a bad day or your, your startup is struggling. And it's like, these are the things you can always go to um, sort of bring you back down to earth. I love that. William, I always like to finish off the podcast with kind of an open floor for whether you want to talk about Vancouver Check Journal, where people can find you, where people can find 
Overstory Media Group, whatever you want to do, the floor is yours. Well, I just want to say thanks, Evan, for having me on. Um, this is really awesome. And honestly, I'm such a big fan uh, of, of yours because um, I just, I love people that just sort of put their hand up and say, like, here's a thing I want to do or here's something I'm passionate about and I'm just going to put myself out there. And it's something I actually I talk to people a lot, like either writers or, or podcasters. And I always say, like, people will give you a lot of credit if you you just like execute the thing that you've been talking about. Uh, and I actually think that that's why I get a lot of credit here, which is that like, I had this idea and I was like, you know what, I think this should be a thing. I'm just going to start writing it. Like, did I have any business writing it? Like, who knows, but it doesn't really matter now because I did. And so I just want to say, Evan, that I really respect you for that. And honestly, I hope that we can work together sometime in the future. Well, I've, I've told you this already. Like, I, I, I hope we can work together sometime in the future. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. For people who want to connect with me, like, I don't know, Google William Johnson Tech, like, I'll come up. Like, people can check out the Vancouver Tech Journal at vantechjournal.com. You're interested in Victoria, victechjournal.com. And um, I don't know when you're going to put this out, Evan, but I will send you a link for the Calgary Tech Journal. And maybe we can we can get that in front of some folks, too. And again, like I said earlier, like, I'm just really excited for the growth that we're going to see, like, through the rest of the year and next year. And hopefully we can, like, you know, take the Tech Journal playbook and, and do it successfully across the rest of the country. And again, thanks so much for having me on. Like, it was a lot of fun. Well, I'm super excited to plug the Calgary Tech Journal and get that moving here in town and excited for everything that hopefully we'll do in the future. And William, I appreciate the time today, the insights, you know, starting something like Vancouver Tech Journal is hard. It's really hard to start a newsletter like that. And you've had a lot of success with that. And I love being subscribed to that and excited for all the other new ones that are going to launch. So thanks again for coming on today. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe, share with friends, and reach out with guest suggestions. Check out the podcast description for my social and website links to stay up to date with all future episodes.